Today we're going to be camping in John 3. If you have a Bible with you, I'd love for you to, to grab that right now and open it up to John 3. Stick your thumb in John 3 and we're going to get there in a few minutes. Um, let me remind us all that our chapel theme this year is with. Um, God with us, together with others. And so we're spending all this time, the whole year long, um, talking about God's presence with us um, pursuing God and his pursuit of us. We're talking about intimacy with Jesus. We're talking about our life together with each other. And that's what we're talking about today. And today I want to focus on the Holy Spirit. I want to focus on the Holy Spirit's role in our life with God. Actually, I'll, the next time I'll be up here as well, I'll be talking about that again. Because there's so much we could say about the Holy Spirit, right? Um, you could devote a whole school year full of chapels uh, just on the Holy Spirit and exploring that. And we're just going to kind of scratch the surface today. But the Holy Spirit is a big deal. The Holy Spirit is a big deal. It's, it's key for us. You know, God became flesh, and God dwelt among us, and he did more than just come to deal some sort of cosmic transaction and then die and then leave us. That's not the complete picture of the Christian life, right? Like, so he left his Holy Spirit with us. He continues to be with us. He is present with us. I've been learning a lot about the Holy Spirit the last few years, and because I've always been sort of confused, and and it's sort of mystified by the Holy Spirit. It's that member of the Trinity that sort of, to me, has always been a little bit mysterious, And, and so I've been trying to dig in and learn a little bit more over the years recently. But I'm asking myself still, who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit really do in our lives? And so today I want us to look um, at that. I want us to, we're going we're gonna to take a look at this passage of Scripture in John 3 where G- Jesus reveals some pretty important stuff about the role of the Holy Spirit in our life. So John 3, beginning of the chapter, verses 1 through 8 is where we're going to camp today. And uh, again, if you have your Bible there, uh, you'll be able to follow along real well. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you were born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? Nicodemus exclaimed. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. So let's talk about this little interaction for for a while. Okay, so we have Nicodemus. He's a Pharisee, a ruler uh, of, the Jewish, uh, of the Jewish ruling council, okay, the Sanhedrin. And, and he goes to speak with Jesus with honest questions, okay? So he has this going for him. He, he chooses to lean in. He, he notices something important about Jesus, and he says, I need to find out more. And we can, we can, we can admire that about Nicodemus. There's also this, this fact that, that he came to Jesus at night. Now, different scholars have different opinions whether, whether or not this is significant, but I tend to think it's interesting. He came to Jesus at night, perhaps um, aware that uh, his colleagues, the other Pharisees, 
um, would have um, had some thoughts about that if he went to talk to Jesus with some honest questions. And so he goes to Jesus at night under cover of darkness to ask his questions. And he, and he starts, verse 2, the second part there. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Now, I'm not sure what Nicodemus was expecting here, but probably an affirmation. Maybe he thought Jesus would say, that's right, Nicodemus. I am from God. But instead, Jesus just sort of sidesteps Nicodemus's train of thought. He kind of changes the subject rather abruptly, it seems, and he cuts right to the point. I think because he sees Nicodemus's deepest need. He knows Nicodemus's heart. He knows Nicodemus suffers from the, the affliction of the Pharisees, right? This, this, um, this attempted self-attained and self-sustained righteousness. And Jesus is quick and he says, I tell you the truth, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Jesus uses this powerful, simple, but powerful metaphor here of of childbirth. Okay, he uses this word born. And and I think that's to create this picture, this this image of of newness, of, of a new beginning, a start to something. And he says, born again. Now, the Greek word there is, is anothen. It's translated again in most of our translations. Maybe your translation says born from above. And that's because the Greek word anothen can have two translations, um, at least, again and from above. Now, it's not, I don't think this is confusion about the Greek. I think this is an actual word that has two meanings. Um, English has words like this, right? I think, of, uh, I think of racket. Racket can be something you, you play tennis with. Racket can also be something that um, is a loud, obnoxious, disruptive noise. And I think, so Jesus uses this word anothen intentionally, um, embracing both meanings of that word, right? Again and from above. And he uses both these meanings to communicate something important to Nicodemus. First, again, like Nicodemus, you need a new beginning. You need to be started over. You need a new beginning. And also, you need to be born from above. God, uh, Nicodemus, you need not only to be born again, but you need a different source. You need a brand new source. You need to be born from above. Jesus is telling Nicodemus that he wants to transform him into something completely new. Rebirth. To borrow Paul's words, the old is gone and the new has come, right? Essentially, Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, your own efforts for righteousness, your own attempts to follow all the rules is missing the point. You know, I kind of get this. I, I kind of identify with Nicodemus in this story. In, in some ways, his story is, is a lot like my own. Anybody who knows me real well knows that I can be a little bit of a rule follower. Um, in fact, my whole life, I've been sort of basically obsessed with, with, with following the rules and doing things the right way. Now pair this with the fact that as I was a kid growing up, I had sort of the skewed version, uh, um, the skewed opinion of God. I kind of grew up thinking that God was, was just this guy who gave us um, a bunch of rules he wanted us to try to follow. And my job was to try to follow them as best I could and as many of them as I could. And you could definitely say there was this inner Pharisee um, living inside of me. And that Pharisee continued. When I went to college, when I was 18, 19, 20 years old, um, I made friends in college, and they seemed to really be into Jesus. And, and I really, that was interesting to me because I, I really was ready to ditch it all when I, went to, when, when I went to college. But my friends that I made, they were super into Jesus, and I started paying attention to Jesus, a lot like Nicodemus. I had some questions. 
I saw that there was something interesting about Jesus. But I didn't really truly know who he was, like Nicodemus. I was still trying to do all the right things, okay? I, I wanted to follow all the rules, and now I had a whole bunch of new rules. Like, okay, so Christians act this way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do all this stuff. So I started to do all the right Christian stuff. And first, for the first time, I, I wanted to be close to God. And, and so I thought, naturally, that means just doing the right Christian stuff. I, I was going to worship as often as I could. Uh, I served on this traveling ministry team. I pretty much just added Jesus to my life. Darren plus Jesus. But Jesus didn't really always fit into my life. That's the problem. And it felt awkward at times. And, it, and, I, and I felt helpless at times because I couldn't possibly keep all those rules. I tried checking all the right boxes, but I still felt pretty miserable most of the time about it. And just like Nicodemus, Jesus was inviting me to something more. He wanted to be more than an additive to my life. Jesus wanted to be more than an addition to my life. He wanted me to be a whole different person. Not Darren plus Jesus, but rather Jesus in Darren. But how does this happen? Well, that's exactly where the Holy Spirit comes in. Let's look again at verse 5. Jesus replies to Nicodemus. He says, I, sh- I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So this transformation, this becoming a whole different person, it can only come about by the work of the Holy Spirit. In fact, as Nicodemus heard these words, being born of water and the Spirit, he, he being an expert in the Jewish, in the, in the Hebrew scriptures, he would have immediately recalled the words of the prophets, who talk a lot of times, they talk about the, the Spirit and water. Uh, for example, Ezekiel in chapter 36 Um, God speaks through the prophet Ezekiel. He says, For I will gather you up from all the nations and bring you home again to your land. Um, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and, and you will no longer worship idols. I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you, says the prophet Ezekiel. He goes on, he says, I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. So, God, through Ezekiel here, is saying, He's using this this, this imagery of water and the spirit, and only through the spirit will, will, will God do that work in us, okay? Giving us a new heart of flesh and taking out our heart of stone so that we can follow him more faithfully. What a picture of, of cleansing, right? What a picture of new birth. And, and Jesus invites Nicodemus, and Jesus invites us to that new beginning, to start over, to let the old self die, and to be born again, and to have a new source. He invites us to have a new source, to give up striving for a righteousness that can't be earned and can't be worked for. He invites us to yield to the Spirit, to yield to the Spirit's work within us, compelling us and empowering us and comforting us. So I want to peel back another layer here. What really does this mean for us? Well, I think it means a lot of things for us. We don't have time to, to talk about it all today. Again, that's, that's a whole lot we could discuss about the Holy Spirit. But, but I want to bring it into focus two big things that this story in John 3 talks about and shows us. Let's look again at verse 5. 
I assure you, Jesus says, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. I want to focus on that word enter. No one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. You see, being born again means we acknowledge the lordship of Jesus Christ and, and gladly, our, gladly surrender our heart to his rule in our lives. You know, John 3, a few verses later, we, this, is, this is the famous verse, right? John 3, 16, and we hear whoever believes in Jesus will have eternal life. Well, this is the lead up to that, talking about the Spirit and his work in that process of us entering the kingdom of God. And I think, I think we get this. I hope we get this. We get this. I think the church does a good job talking about um, what that is, to give our, uh, give our lives to Jesus and enter the kingdom of God. But, but let's look at verse 3 in John 3. Because I think we, we tend to, this is, more, this is more easily missed in the Christian life for us. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. We can see, we can perceive something that's impossible to see if we weren't born anothen, if we weren't born again, if we weren't born from above, born of the Spirit. You see, we've been given the kingdom of God. We've entered it. You know, we are sons and we are daughters of the king, but do we see it? In the everyday, do we perceive the kingdom of God as we are coming and going in our normal circumstances, in our struggles, in our joys, in our walking to class, in our going to work? Do we see the kingdom of God? You know, when I was a little kid, um, one of my favorite toys was, <laughs> was the Viewmaster. I'm going to venture... That there's maybe one or two of you in here, but probably not most of you who knows what a Viewmaster is. Does anybody know what? We've got one Viewmaster fan. We have a couple Viewmaster fans. All right. That makes me feel a little better. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Okay. So the Viewmaster, what this is, is... is it, it, oh. All right. There's some Viewmaster love in the room. This makes me feel so good. So for those of you, anybody who doesn't know what this is, you stick one of these reels in there and then you can look at the pictures. It's pretty high tech. I don't want to blow your mind today. But if you didn't, let's say, if you didn't have the, uh, the, view, the viewing unit, you just had these reels, you could kind of see like little pictures. Like and if you held it up to the light, you sort of could make out, they're sort of blurry pictures and they're tiny. You could kind of get a sense of what, what the story is being told is all about. But you guys, you really need the view master to be able to see the picture, the story that's being told in full color. And I'm telling you guys, there's virtual reality and stuff now, but this was virtual reality for like Gen X, right? Um, this, was, this, was, this, was, this was what it was all about. I wonder today if there's somebody who'd like to, maybe somebody who has not been initiated in the Viewmaster. Was there anybody, one person who'd like to come up and like look through my Viewmaster this morning? Nathan? Yes, come. Don't hurt yourself. All right, so take a look. I forget which reel is in there, but you might have to hold it up to the light just to make it. It looks like a boy with old yellow. Wait, say it again. It looks like a boy with old yeller or something. <laughs> a boy with old, old yeller. Now, now flip the thing on the, on the, yep, all the way down. What? How's that? It's like a donkey tangled up in like a clothesline. <laughs> right? How awesome is that? Let's keep going. 
Now the donkey's getting beat with a broom. <laughs> that's, ho that's horrible. Uh, let's do one more. Now the little kid is hugging the donkey behind a rock. Oh, that's really nice. <laughs> All right, that's good. Thanks, David. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> it, tell it told a whole story, didn't it? And, and Nathan, I forgot to ask you, but what were the images like? Were they like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the picture, but the, but the pictures themselves were pretty clear, right? I mean, as you, and I remember, I'll just, I'll just share this. I remember the first time I looked through these, this Viewmaster and saw like these three, seriously, 3D images. It felt like my world had changed a little bit. You guys, and that's kind of what it is to see the kingdom of God based on the power of the Holy Spirit. We can, if we, if we weren't, if we didn't have the Holy Spirit. We could kind of see life through as like a little tiny picture that's clouded and blurry and hard to make out. But the Holy Spirit makes it so that we can see the picture in, in living color, in vibrant, beautiful images. So the kingdom of God is this ginormous idea. Again, we could spend a whole year of chapel talking about the kingdom of God. Maybe we will someday. But I want to just highlight four um, Four things that I think characterizes the kingdom of God, summarizes maybe. And keep in mind as we read these, as we read these, explore these four things, these are the things that the Holy Spirit allows us to see in our everyday life. So because of the Holy Spirit, we can see, we can see God reestablishing his rule. In spite of humans' distrust and, and our attempts to minimize or ignore God's authority, we can see, we can perceive an upending of our ideas of power, of our ideas of, of significance and status and value. God's kingdom is sort of upside down, isn't it, in relation to our own world? Think about the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. God's kingdom upside down. Because of the Holy Spirit, we can see our own call to participate in this kingdom, to live out our divine calling as, as stewards and as ambassadors of the kingdom. And because of the Holy Spirit, we can see a vision of creation as it was intended, as it was originally designed and ordered, full of beauty and justice, and love, and humility. As we close this morning, as, as before we, we sing one more song together, I, I just want to give us a chance to, to use our imagination this morning. And I want you to think about your day today. I want you to think about what's left on your schedule today. And at each step, I want you to see. I want you to perceive. I want you to pay attention to the kingdom of God in that everyday moment. In each of those moments left today, what would it be like to see the kingdom of God throughout the rest of your day in each and every moment? I'm going to lead us through a couple of, of points, and I would just love for you to just imagine with me as we go. 
what would it look like to see the kingdom of God as we go to class? What would it look like to see the kingdom of God as we are interacting with our professors, as we're interacting with the content being presented? What would it look like to see the kingdom of God as we're studying, as we're reading? What would it look like to see the kingdom of God as we're having a meal, maybe sharing a meal? What would it look like to see the kingdom of God as as we're encountering others as we walk along the sidewalks and in the hallways? What would it look like to see the kingdom of God as, as we have conversations with good friends? What would it look like to see the kingdom of God as we have conversations with people who are difficult to get along with? What would it look like to see the kingdom of God as we have conversations with people who are very different from us? What would it look like to see the kingdom of God as we're scrolling social media? What would it look like to see the kingdom of God as as we're reading or watching the news? What would it look like to, to see the kingdom of God as we're going to work or going to practice Imagine what would it look like to, to see the kingdom of God as uh, in those times we're bored today. Or those times we're busy today. What would it be like to see God's kingdom when we're afraid? be like to see his kingdom when we're joyful? God, truly be with us today as we walk in your spirit. God, your spirit gives us the ability to not only enter your kingdom, God, but to see it, to see it here amongst us. God, you've said your kingdom is at hand God, not fully maybe, but it's here. Help us to see it in the everyday stuff. In your name we pray.